Go ahead and turn to Mark 14, 21 through 30, I mean 12 through 31 is what we're going to be doing today. Mark 14. What did I say? Did I say Mark 14? Look at the screen. That's what we're doing, all right? I'm still thrown off by that cute little thank you. Um, at the end of the service, we, we do have a baptism, which is what all this is over here for, which will be great fun. And, and like I said, we have kids in the service today, so if it gets a little wiggly in here, that's okay. Uh, we, we want to introduce kids to what it's like to be in church, right? One of the things that, that as a church we don't want to have happen is that kids and students aren't part of this because there'll be a day when they graduate from high school and head off to college and we want them to know what this is like, right? And so that's why even with student ministry, we don't have that during uh, our, our worship time because we want students to be serving alongside other adults that are serving and, and, and seeing how their spiritual gifts can be developed and formed so that when they leave to go to college, they know what it's like to be a part of a church. And so, so but every once in a while, like Carol said, we do have the kids in here because uh, we also want them to see this kind of stuff and realize uh, that Jesus cares for them um, even though they're little bitty, right? Well, here, here's the deal. Let me ask you, and so kids, I'm going to ask you this question too. Have you ever wondered what God's plans for your life are? Right? Kids, have you ever thought about what you want to be when you grow up? Anybody ever thought about that? Yeah? Yeah, I know adults still. <laughs> yeah, that's the second question. You know, adults, what do you want to be when you grow up? But kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? Give me some stuff. What do you want to be? An athlete? A what? An actor. Yes, you, Phoebe, you are on your way. <laughs> Love it. Did y'all see them do announcements a few weeks ago? Nathan, they did great. What else? What else? Who wants to be something? Kids, this is your time to speak in big church. Oh, we got one way back there. Chicken out, it happens. I feel the same way sometimes, buddy. What, what, what else? You want to be a pastor? Yeah, um, remember, I'm going to do everything I can to be there for your first service. It might be right here one day. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, what else? A police officer. Oh, that's great. Now, adults, what do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> you want to you want to be a uh, yeah well, you want to be retired that's one day one day that's what I keep telling Stacy I'm like you know my retirement plan is called work that's 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 the that's the the 501 that's the 401 whatever it's called right well here's the here's what's behind that question for us a lot Right? What's behind this question is an expectation, a fear, maybe even a hope of what God will bring into your life, what job God will bring into your life, what season God will bring into your life, what money God will bring into your life to be able to do what you want to do, right? From the looks of y'all, as I ask that question, there's a lot of us still wondering what plans God has for us. Whether it is for the next season, whether it is for the next career, we are all still wondering what God has for us. And I've got to tell you, like, I never thought I would be a preacher, ever. 
And if you've been here for a while, you've heard me share the story. I went to seminary to get my, my counseling degree. And I remember sitting in the library telling God how much I don't want to plant a church and how much I don't want to be a preacher. Right? And I didn't mean it to be like, I won't do it if you, you know, blah, blah, blah. I, I was like sincere. Right? I was like, I'm not made for this. I'm not, I'm not for this. Right? I never thought I would be a missionary. And as a missionary, I got to travel and, 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 and help plant churches in places like Haiti and Brazil and Latvia and Russia and Cameroon and, and, and Zimbabwe and, and all these incredible places I got to go to and see the body of Christ in all these places. Never had an idea that I would be doing that. But, all, but those things and so much more have been part of God's plans for me. And so here's what I'm going to do today with our text is let me tell you what I'm not going to tell you and show you in this. I'm not going to show you in today's verses, I'm not going to show you God's plan for your life. Right? Because here's the deal. We serve a very specific God, and each one of you, he has got a plan for. Right? And I have no idea what that is. Truth be told, I don't know what it is for mine half the time. Like, like... Why would I tell you what his plan is? But here's what I am going to show you today in our text. We're going to see God's heart behind the plans he has for your life. That's what we're going to see. Because I believe if you know the heart of God, then your mind and soul and heart will be open to anything God asks you to do. Because you know who it is that's asking you to follow him. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you what God thinks. I'm going to show you what his character is. And I'm going to show you that as he makes plans for your life. Now, as some of you know, because you've been coming here, you know we've been going through the book of Mark for almost a year now, right? And Mark is a biography about Jesus, right? And so kids, if, if, if you've been to the library, you know what a biography is, right? A biography is a story about someone, a story about their life. And that's what Mark is doing. He is showing us Jesus' life. And we're in this section of Mark where he has slowed time down. And we're seeing a day-by-day, almost step-by-step, last week of Jesus' life before he's crucified and resurrected. And in this part, Mark is showing us what Jesus accomplished, what Jesus did for our salvation, for us to be able to have life. Right? And in the midst of this, we get to see what the disciples are doing. And as we go through this, I want us to watch and see and learn what we can learn about God's heart and the plans he makes for your life. So let's look at chapter 14, verse 12. It says, On the first day of unleavened bread... When they sacrificed the Passover lamb, the disciples said to him, Well, where will you have us go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? Right? And so let me explain what happened. Passover is a time where, where um, all of Jerusalem, I mean, all the Israelites would gather together in Jerusalem to worship together and feast together and spend time together and hear great teachers like Jesus and, and, and go to the temple and worship. And it was a time that they did this to remember what God had done in the past. Because there was a time in their past. Uh, where God delivered the nation of Israel from the slavery of Egypt in a miraculous way. Do you all remember the, the whole parting of the Red Sea? 
right? And they walk through on dry dry ground, not that mushy, muddy stuff, right? Like they walk through on dry ground to their deliverance. And so God not only delivered them into freedom, he delivered it in a way that could only be the hand of God. And every year they got together to to remember this, and they did it by a meal. And so to have a meal, you've got to have a kitchen, and you've got to have a room, and you've got to have a place for this meal, right? And so what what they're doing, the disciples, is they're talking to Jesus, and, and, and they're saying, hey, we need to prepare this meal for you and for the other disciples, and so we need this big room in this kitchen. Now watch, watch what Jesus does. In verse 13, it says, And he sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him, and wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room? And where may I eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready, and there prepare for us. And the disciples set out and went into the city and found it just as Jesus had told him, and they prepared the Passover. Right? So here's what's unique about this. Typically, women carried the water jars. But this time, it was a guy. So, so maybe that would stand out, right? The disciples asked Jesus, where can we do this? And Jesus tells them to go in the city and look for this guy. He'll kind of stand out. He's carrying a water jar. But what's interesting is they said, is Jesus said, don't ask him if he has room. Ask him where is my room. Right? And so, so here's what we know, but we don't know how. We know Jesus had already set this plan in motion. Right? He had already talked to someone to, to arrange the room, or he was using his supernatural abilities to make all this work out. We don't know how this plan came into place, but we know it came into the place. How do we know? Because Jesus said, here's what to do. These guys walk into town going, hey, right? you ever seen a guy carry a jar of water? I haven't. Oh, there he is. Huh. Huh. All right, well, Jesus said, so where's our room? So where's our room? Follow him in the house. Oh, it's upstairs. It's furnished, ready to go. The plan came together, right? Because in the midst of this, what we see is that Jesus cares for us enough to have plans for us, right? Jesus cares for us enough to have plans for us. And just like I do with this text, I want to go, why? 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 How did this work? How did, how did Jesus know? How did Jesus pull this together? The how of Jesus' plan is not the question. The what of Jesus' plans for us are. They asked Jesus, what do you want us to do? And he told them, and they did it. But what we see is that God cares for us Enough to have plans for us. Jesus cared for his disciples enough to have a plan for them to have the Passover meal together. Together, He didn't leave them without a plan. Right? You know what you never hear Jesus say? Ever. You never hear the heart of God say this. Ever. I don't know what to do. Never do you hear those words. I don't know what to do. Because he cares for us enough to have plans for us. Right? Now, how many of you, when I said that, go, well, it sure does feel like he doesn't know what to do. Because I don't know what to do. Now, here's the deal with his plans. They may be upside down, up and down, 
topsy-turvy and around the corner, but he cares enough to have plans. And behind his plans is always this care for you and me. Got it? Like I said, I went to, you know, I'd never wanted to preach. Um, it wasn't even on the radar for me. I went, I did my college work. I went to college to be a school teacher, elementary school, right? I taught third grade. I taught a multi-age class for a while, taught fifth grade a little bit, kind of got a taste of all of it. I loved teaching. Administrative stuff, some parents, I will say, uh, quickly helped me decide this isn't a long-term plan for me, right? All the teachers, amen? Yeah, yeah. Love you, parents. Love you. But teachers, you know what I'm talking about, right? Right? And that wasn't the only reason. I was in Texas, and there's no way I could, like, have a family and teach at the same time. Like, that was true, too. But what it stirred in me was this desire to teach. I loved traveling. And so, so, so fast forward a little bit, God's plan for, for me put me with a missions organization where I got to help church, plant churches all over the world. And as I shared the gospel with people, as I taught people how to share the gospel, as I was in people's homes in Russia and Venezuela and Brazil and all these places, people kept saying to me, through a translator, but people kept saying to me, I've never told anybody this before, but I feel like I need to tell you. And so here I was with this life experience and this truth of this other person, and I wanted to be able to honor that, and I wanted to be able to, to handle that well with them. And so I thought, I could really be messing them up and messing me up and messing this up. I need more training. And so I went to the next step of God's plan for me was to go to graduate school to be a counselor. And so that's what I did. And he led me to a seminary where instead of doing just a counseling degree, I'd also do a Bible and theology degree with it. Why? Why not? It was more expensive, took longer time. That's perfect for God's plan, right? And yet he provided every step of the way. We never went into debt going through that. We had one or two kids during those years. One, one kid during those years. It's crazy. And yet, we were provided for. That was part of God's plan. And then I went into ministry. Because part of getting my counseling degree helped me realize, y'all, I can't do counseling all day, every day. I wear me out. All right? But I had these gifts. I loved to teach. I loved to be with people. I loved to help people. I did love to counsel people. And I loved wearing multiple hats. So then I went on staff in Tennessee at a church where I, it was a church plant. And I got to help be part of that church grow and expand and become anchored in, into the city called Jackson, Tennessee. And from there, God's plan led us here to start that. And then there was a, another guy on staff who was the lead pastor, and, 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 and he had to step down because of health reasons. And, and we were a young church plant, and I couldn't, we couldn't afford to hire someone, and so I became the lead pastor. I became the teaching pastor. And you know what happened? Is I utilized that Bible and theology that I got in seminary that I had no idea why I was doing it, it became critically important when I stood up in front of people to teach God's word. And then I remember one time I was teaching, and the thought occurred to me, y'all, 
if we get this truth about the gospel, you have saved me 200 coffee appointments and counseling appointments with you. Like I realized I could shepherd people all at the same time. And the efficient part of my brain went, y'all, this is nice. All right? And I realized as I look back, God keeps leading me down these steps that may not make sense at the time, but give it years and all of a sudden the pieces begin to fit together. Because you see, God cares for me enough to have a plan for me, just like he does for you. Plans that I could have never have predicted. Listen, I can't wait to see what the rest of his plans are for me. And I can't wait even more to see what the rest of his plans are for you. Because I know he loves you. And I know he cares for you. And I know you're not the one person in all of eternity that he doesn't have a plan for. He does have a plan for you because he loves you. Let's see how this dinner turns out. Verse 17 says this. It says, And when it was evening, he came with the twelve, and as they were reclining at the table and eating, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. Right? So this big dinner to celebrate God's deliverance and the freedom from, from slavery in Egypt all of a sudden takes this turn. Right? They're all sitting down having this meal and, and Jesus says one of the disciples is going to turn him in to the authorities to be killed. That's what, that's what betrayal looked like in his day. And y'all, this is really bad news. Look how the disciples respond. In verse 19, they say, And they began to be sorrowful and say to him one after another, Is it I? Is it me? Am I, am I going to betray you? And he said to them, It is one of the twelve, one, uh, one who is dipping bread into the dish with me. Now imagine, imagine them sitting at a Mexican food restaurant right now, right? Because we kind of get lost on the whole like reclining at the table and eating Passover because we haven't experienced that. Even if we've experienced a Passover meal, I guarantee you, you weren't laying down with your head resting in somebody else's chest as you did it, right? That's what they were doing. So it's a little bit foreign to us. But we've all been to a Mexican food place, right? You've all had chips and salsa, right? No. (laughs) Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. It's okay. It's all right. That's all right. Been to another place where you dip stuff and stuff. Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. I can imagine this Mexican food restaurant. All the disciples are sitting there. They're having a great time. And Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. It's the one who's dipped the chip in the salsa. And they're all like, I picture one of them is, you know, like, like he took something very common and he didn't necessarily relieve the question from them. Because here's what we know as this pans out. They all will leave him. And they all will turn their back on him. Right? But even here we see the heart of God because look at what happens next. Look at what he does with that bread. In verse 21, he says, For the Son of Man goes, it is, it is written about him. So what he does is he, is he tells them, like, guys, 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 yes, one of you is going to betray me. And yes, you're all going to leave me at some point. But guess what? The scriptures already say this is going to happen. This has got to happen because this is what the scriptures say. It's supposed to happen. Remember, God's plans are ups and downs and full of that, but they're still God's plans. And that's what Jesus is reminding them of. That Listen, this is still part of the plan. Look at the, at the rest of verse 21. 
He says, but the Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would be better for that man if he had not been born. In other words, for the one who is going to do it, it's going to be really bad news. Right? For the disciple that does turn him in, even though the scriptures say this is going to happen, man, it's going to be hard for him. And so look what Jesus does with that bread. Now, some commentators, like one of the Gospels says Judas leaves then. Uh, spoiler alert, it's Judas that betrays him, right? Some people say, some, some, one of the Gospels has him leaving then. Mark doesn't pick up on that. He kind of leaves it so we can imagine if Judas was still there. I mean, he could have left. He could still be there. Let's, let's see what Jesus does because regardless, look at what Jesus does with that bread. That same bread that he said the one who betrayed him would dip. Look at verse where are we? 20, 26, right? Look at verse 26. And when they had sung a hymn, they, oh no, that's not where we are. Verse 22. And as they were eating, he took the bread and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, take this, my body. And he took the cup and when they had given thanks, he gave it to them. And they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day comes when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. And so what he does is he takes this bread. Now keep in mind, this is the bread that he just said. The one who betrays me is going to dip this bread and that'll be how we know. right? And so he takes that bread and he breaks it and he, he gives it to them. He blesses it and he gives it to them. And he tells them that, that this bread and wine that they're drinking is, is this picture of, of, of um, hold on, I lost my place. My iPad just freaked out. Give me just a minute. There we are. He tells them that this bread isn't just a picture of betrayal. And this is, this is, this is what I love because Jesus could have stopped with the bread being a picture of betrayal. But here's the deal. If he did that, every time a disciple saw a piece of bread, what would they think of? Betrayal. What, here's something unique about the heart of God. Like He doesn't stop the conversation. He doesn't stop this meal with betrayal. Right? God never stops with condemnation. Ever. He never stops with condemnation. He stops with an, with an invitation into a relationship because this is what he does. He takes the bread, he blesses it, and he gives it to them. And he says, this is my body. And he, and he has the wine and he passes it around and he says, this is my blood. And it is this invitation for the disciples to see something common like bread and wine and have it picture this relationship with Jesus. Because Jesus gave it to them and you know what they did? They ate it and they drank it and they took it in. And it's a picture of this relationship that we have with God through Jesus. That it isn't something that we look at and go, ooh, look at that betrayal. That is one betrayed piece of bread right there. We look at it and we go, that bread is my invitation to know Jesus. Because he gave it to me and I can take it in. You see, Jesus' plan for us is found in relationship with God. Through Jesus. The only way we can know God's plan is in relationship with Him. The only way to experience Jesus 
is in relationship with him. And this starts by being willing to take this invitation, to take this offer. That he offers us his death and resurrection so that we may have life. And, I, and, and, and not just life in heaven, so that we can have life today. So that we can know that there is a God who loves us. And he loves us enough to have a plan for us. And we can trust him in that. That's what salvation is. It is saying no to your sins and yes to Jesus' offer of cleansing them away so that they no longer have power over you, so that you, like the nation of Israel, can be free from the slavery of your sin and delivered. That's what saying yes to Jesus is. And today we get to see a, a, a child honor us with letting us share in his baptism as he has said yes to Jesus, which is really, really cool. But Jesus then ends this dinner with a, a warning, which I think we all need as we deal with God's plans. Because watch this. In verse 26, it says, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So now they leave that room, and, and they're heading up the, the hill to the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Again, it doesn't end on betrayal. It goes to hope. He says, listen, you're all going to leave me, every single one of you, that you're going to leave me, but I'll meet you again. And I will see you after you leave me. Right? And Peter said to him, good old Peter, look at what Peter says. Peter said, even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. Right, so here's what happened. Jesus has just said, listen, guys, this is in God's word. I am the Messiah. You're all going to flee. There's going to be a betrayer. You're going to flee, but I'll meet you again, just as the scriptures say. And they look at Jesus. They look at the Son of God and say the same thing we say when he gives us a plan we don't like is you are crazy. I'm not up for that plan, but this plan, I'm with you the whole way. And Jesus looks at him and says, well, kind of. You'll be with me again, but for a season, you're not going to be. Right? There's a proverb in the Old Testament which says, pride comes before the fall. Right? When we put our ways and our plans above God's ways and plans, that's called pride. And what the proverb says is that when we do that, there's only one outcome to that, and it's bad times. It's a fall. You see, Jesus told the disciples God's plan for them was to leave and he would meet them again later. And then he gave them this reality of hope. And Peter's response was that Jesus, God's, your plan, Jesus' plan, that's not the correct plan. God's got a different plan. Remember, you're supposed to lead us to take back Israel. You see, and there's this warning for us again because we know how all this ends. And the warning is this for all of us, is to let God's plan be God's plan. Church, do you hear that? Let God's plan be God's plan. Amen? Oh, that's hard. Y'all agreed to that so fast. Remind yourself of that tomorrow morning. Right? 
right? Remind yourself of that when you feel yourself getting impatient with God, when you feel yourself getting frustrated with where you are in your life, when you feel those, those, that anger rise up, remember to let God's plan be God's plan and to trust him and to rest in him, right? Let's be a church that, that understands that God really does love us. And in Jesus, we see that he more than loves us, he likes us. Right? And because of that, we can live in relationship with him through Jesus. We can talk to him in prayer. We can listen to his word. We can listen for his voice. We can, we can, we can follow him. Right? Let's not get up and caught up in the trap of telling God what plans should be, especially when they're hard to follow. Because God's plans can get hard in a lot of places, Right? Amen? We can all be tempted to give up. Amen? But God is faithful, isn't he? He is faithful. And let's pray, and then we're going to celebrate that faithfulness and the testimony of a little kid. Jesus, you are a faithful God, and for all of us, I do pray that we can, we, can, we can rest in you and we can trust in you when your plans don't make sense. When we look at the, at the calendar and there's not enough money to go through the end of the calendar, to go through the month, we, we can rest in you and trust in you that you will provide and you will show us what steps to take and, and we will work hard with you. We will not work hard against you. And Jesus, that you would be glorified in this, and that, that we could tell of your plans full of twists and turns and ups and downs and, and long periods of waiting, and we can tell those tells and tell of your glory in it, and tell of your hand moving and preparing us. And God, I do pray that you would be glorified in that. In Christ's name I pray, amen.